there were apparently 55 potential people listed as suspects. I was one of those. And within about three or four days, it had gone down from 55 to one, me. Well, the thing about Netflix is they're not interested. They don't have any morality. They have no accountability. And they're only really interested in the money. And I was sentenced to 25 years in, in prison. And then three three attempts were made to extradite me to France um, under the EAW. That's um, mm. Thanks very much. Thanks very much for sitting down with me, Ian. Uh, appreciate you taking the time. Uh, can, can you do us a favour for, for anyone who doesn't know um, just give us a bit of idea, a bit of an idea, um, who you are, and kind of uh, maybe the source of your your notoriety. Um, well, two questions in one. My name is Ian Kenneth Bailey. I'm Anglo-Welsh. I was born in Manchester in 1957. Um, I was lucky enough to have very good parents, a good education. I went to school. I became a journalist, and uh, actually, it was it was uh, Bernstein and Woodward. Uh, from the Washington Post, who actually sort of persuaded me to become an investigative journalist, which I did become. I was very good. And I moved from uh, England, London, to Ireland in 1991. And um, I was a journalist writing. And then um, I was over taken by events at Christmas time in 1996, 26 years ago. I was a journalist. There was a murder, most foul, of a, a French lady um, on my patch. I was the lead journalist and was reporting on it. And within, oh, six weeks of the crime, I was falsely arrested and accused of the crime. And for 26 years now, I've been trying to fight to clear my name. I see. Yeah. Well, that's that, that's quite something. Okay. So let me um let me go back a little bit. We'll we'll, we'll go into to more details about the, the the actual event in a bit. Um. Okay. So you moved to you moved to West hmm. Cork in ninety one. Um. How did you uh, How did you take to the how, how did you take to the place? How did the the place take to you? Oh um, yeah. The locals well, I, and so on. I mean, I I first came here in nineteen eighty six. I was working in London then. And most of my friends in London were Irish people. And uh, I had a friend who had a place over here and I came over. And I, I basically fell in love with place, a people and a culture. Uh, and that's never left me. And if, you, if you're in love with a, a place, a people and a culture, your heart can never be broken because that will always be, be there. No. Yeah. I see. Um, I, I only ask because because later on there were um, there were people who who you claim um, kind of spoke uh, spoke falsely about you and um, said said that you said things that that, oh, yeah. that you claim you didn't. Um, so so I'm just wondering, like in the years previous to the murder, um, do do you think um, do you think maybe you you are not, not enemies, but but aren't uh, um, people who weren't who weren't friendly and who who would later lie, uh, who would lie against you, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing the thing is this. I mean, when I was possibly a bit brash when I I came out of London and Fleet Street, and I came over here. I'm quite tall. I'm six foot four and a half, uh, and 
there were certain people, and I, I was maybe a little bit sort of brash, and there were certain people who didn't like me, but a lot more people who did like me. And, um, yeah. I see. So, I anyway, see. you know, I mean, and, 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 and you know what? You're always going to meet detractors. I think it was your Abraham Lincoln who said, you know, you can please most of the people all of the time, but you'll never please all of the people all, all of the time. And uh, Bob Dylan, I think, actually used that, didn't he? Yeah. Interesting. Very yeah. good. Um, it, uh, Skull, uh, for, for anyone who doesn't know the, the particular town, village that you moved to, is called Skull. Um, it's actually it's actually home to a lot of uh, uh, blow-ins, they're called, um, as in non, uh, non-natives, yes. pe- pe- people who move there. Um, uh, were, were you, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay, so, so were you aware of other, um, of like other, other foreigners, we'll say, in the, in the community? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the expression blow-ins is fine. I mean, they call them drop-ins or blow-ins. Uh, and I, I followed a pattern. I mean, the, the, the wonderful thing about where I live and I still live in West Cork and I'm grateful every day is the, the, it's just the most physically beautiful landscape around. Um, so you had you've got you had waves of should we call them immigrants from Wales, Scotland, um, England, to Germans, French coming in to West Cork, and like we're talking maybe thirty odd years ago, you could buy properties then for very little. You know, you you could buy a a rundown cottage for oh the money you had in your your shoebox in cash under your bed. And, but it's a very eclectic, very interesting place to be. I mean, 30 years on since I've been here 30 years this year, it's so much more interesting. It's such a vibrant culture. And it's, it's so, um, there isn't the, the old thing of xenophobia. Um, it's very embracing. I mean, we've got a lot of you poor Ukrainians here at the moment. Um, okay, so so on, on that note, um, given your you, you know you you'd have some awareness of uh, of the fellow uh, non non natives. Okay, so so when when was yeah. it when, when was it that you first became aware of um, the the later un- unfortunate victim uh, Sophie? Well, I, I I I right. So we're going back to Christmas, almost to the day of Christmas, twenty six years ago, which and on, on the Monday morning, that's the twenty third of December. I had a phone call. I was a correspondent for the Cork Examiner. It's now the Irish Examiner. Um, and I had a phone call from a journalist there, and he informed me about a, an incident. He said maybe a murder, maybe a um, thing. And he asked me to go out and investigate. And I went out to, to you know, as a professional journalist to, to do what I was asked to do. And, this, um, this was sorry to cut in. Um, at least according to the documentaries and stuff I've seen, you got the call at one forty p.m. and everyone yeah, knew 20, at, 20, at, at two. 20, twenty to two. And I listened to the radio news, and the radio had the the fact that there had been a, a body found uh, under suspicious circumstances, which is always code for part the potential murder. And I went out. And I got on with my job, and I'm a good journalist. And um, over the subsequent days from January of 1996, 26 years ago, to February, I was reporting on on the case. And it was a big case because the victim was Madame Sophie Toscana Plantier, rest in peace, 
and she was married to a very prominent um, French film director. And um, it was like a nuclear bomb dropped in a rural part of Ireland just before Christmas. I remember it. it And repercussions went on then and are still going on now. I I was going to say, for for, for a bit of context, um, I mean, there there probably hadn't been... There was probably never really any violent instances at all, let alone a murder. I mean, the, the last time there was a murder was probably... Was probably like like the British, like like the the, the black and tans, and so. Uh, yeah, well, uh, pe- 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 you know, people talk about it, and they do draw that. And one of my heroes is Michael Collins. You know, rest in peace. Um, one of the heroes of the revolution, and you know, he was he was assassinated not in West Cork but in Cork, at Bela a uh, hundred years ago. Um, yeah. Okay. So. Um... Uh, okay, uh, obviously, obviously, you 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 got the call. You you found out about the the murder in a professional capacity. You know, it, it was like a work call. Um, yeah. That that you found out about it through. Yeah. But 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 do you remember, um, taking professionalism aside, do, do, do you remember just just how you felt, um, in terms of the fact that there was a murder and it was so close? I mean, it was, uh, I mean, what like a fifteen minute drive from well, I mean your place roughly. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe a, like a ten minute drive. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I'm 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 an old fashioned Fleet Street trained journalist. So, uh, unfortunately, as, and you 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 do a true crime podcast, I think, and you know the unfortunate thing about a murder is, or any serious crime, is it immediately sort of excites the public interest. And then, you know, as a journalist, you get drawn into these things. Um, I, I remember, and it was actually just talking to you now, stuff is coming back. I mean, we, we, we'd been preparing for Christmas that year really well. And, and my ex-partner now, bless her, uh, we'd, we'd had we had three turkeys. Um, and it was, uh, it, there was, there was a real buzz of atmosphere just prior to Christmas. And then this terrible crime happened. It, it's, you know, shook the place. It's still shaking the place. And I have nothing to do with it. I was only a, you know, reporter uh, on it. And, uh, hmm. Right. One of the, um, one of the kind of areas of dispute um, in terms of what the, the guard said you did and what you said you did was, um, I think there was a guard who said, um, who who was at the the crime scene when when you pulled up? But he said that uh, you arrived, um, kind of got out of your car, didn't really walk that far or ask anyone anything, uh, just kind of looked and well, left. Well, I, I no, I, I, is, I, I can is, tell you exactly is that, what is that true? Is that true? Or... Well, I can tell you exactly exactly what happened. I had sort of not exact location and directions, but on the way to going to it was a very isolated very isolated place i mean like wild and i met so i my partner uh, was in the car i walked down the track to towards where i could see there was police activity and two two guards then walked up to me and i met them about halfway between where i started and i asked them was there any uh, Malone, Garda Malone and Garda um, 
uh, Gardam Lona and another one. Was there any information available at the scene? And, and they said, no, I told them who I was. They, Ian Bailey for the Cork Examiner. I had my press pass. And they said, no, all information has to come from the, the press office in Dublin. You know, so uh, the suggestion that I didn't try to find out information is, is, is erroneous and nonsense. I see. Okay. I, I, on the note, uh, on that note, um, had you been aware of who of who Sophie was? Um, had you had you ever met her? Had you, had you seen her a couple of times or anything? No, no. I, 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 I've never, and it's been suggested I had met her and didn't know her. No, I didn't. But I had worked for a very close neighbour of hers, a man who's now passed away, Alf Lyons. And on one occasion when I was working for him back in April of 1995, um, she, she was in occupation of the cottage, but I was never introduced to her, didn't know her. And, um, you know, it's a tragedy. It's a it's a tragedy, absolute tragedy. Of course, of course. Um, what, uh, and I, 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 I mean, look, I, I, can I can I just say as well? Now, your listeners may not know. Ultimately, so a file was prepared for the DPP here in Ireland, and the, the, the director, guards and Garda director of the director Irish of people. public prosecutions. For, for anyone who doesn't know, okay, kind of kind of like the DA in America. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So the Garda and Garda Shiokana, that's the Irish police force, the Guardians of the Peace, um, put together a file against me and put it to the DPP on many occasions. And the DPP rejected it on many occasions. Um, in fact, they actually, the DPP here, called the Garda investigation thoroughly flawed and prejudiced against me. Um, and rejected any any um, you know uh, a prosecution. Then European law kicked in, um, and then we have a thing called the EAW and the Mutual Assistance Law, where states are within the EU are required to uh, comply. Eventually, the rejected file in Ireland was handed over to the French, and eventually, in two thousand and nineteen, I was actually tried in my absence in a, a three-day trial in Paris, found guilty on evidence that had been rejected under the, our common law system, but was acceptable under the French Civil Bonaparte Code. And I was sentenced to 25 years in, in prison. And then three, three attempts were made to extradite me to France um, under the EAW, that's the European Arrest Warrant, and they were each re roundly rejected by the Irish um, courts, including the Supreme Court. Yeah, no. To, to, to be fair, like like whatever you think about the the case here, or or whatever wh whatever someone may think of your your guilt or innocence, um, the the, the fact the fact that uh, another country where crime didn't take place and where the police force didn't investigate it, um, the fact that a crime can be tried, um. 20 something years later um in another like like i said in another country with the crime it, it's insane like it, it really does it's comical almost mm. yeah anyway yeah so here i am um what's happening now well i'm making my own podcast 
that I wrote to the head chief cop, the, the uh, commissioner last June, and I asked him to carry out a cold case review, in other words, a complete um, review of the whole thing. And that was sanctioned back in June. And there is a cold case review going on at the moment, as I'm talking to you. Um, let, let me let me take it back a little bit. Um, not only was it must it have been shocking for a murder to take place in an exceptionally peaceful and quiet area, but not only that, um, but but like you said, in the in subsequent days or weeks, um, you must have found out that um, that you were considered a suspect. Um, what what a what was that like just hearing it the very first time? I mean, it, it, it must have been like getting hit by lightning. Well, to... um, I mean, I, I did, I started, so the guards were actually going round people in West Coast. It's a very, very close-knit community down here, well, slightly more open now, but I'm telling people that I was the murderer and have no doubt and I would murder them and they'd be next if I didn't, if I wasn't arrested. And that was that was pretty freaky. That was pretty freaky hearing this stuff. And then on, I think it was February the February eleventh. I think it must have been. Yeah, I was arrested. Um, quite. Mm, so they used excessive force, but it was quite a hostile arrest. And uh, I was um, I was taken off for the first time. And accused uh, of murder, and uh, I spent twelve hours. They arrested my partner, my former partner Jules. Didn't tell me. Um, it was uh, back in nineteen ninety seven. After that, it was pretty weird, hairy, and I mean, I I didn't deal. I my I tried to deal with everything the best way I can. I probably I drank, started drinking more, drinking too much, eating too many pizzas. And, uh, you know, um, we're 25, 25, nearly 26 years on from that. And I'm still fighting to uh, clear my my name. Right. Of course, one of the, um, in particular, one of the guards that um, that you were kind of most most vocal against was, um, I, I think he might have been the, the head of the investigation, but, but uh, uh, Dermot Dwyer. Yeah, could, could I know uh, what you're talking about. Do, yeah. do you recall? Uh, do you recall your um, your first meeting with him? Yeah, I do indeed. It was on, I think, January twenty eighth, and he called by. I had a phone call, and then he dropped by at the house. And the first thing he tells me, well, the first thing he asked me was, "Do I play poker?" This was the first question. And I said no. Out of the yeah, gate, one of the first, the first questions. questions. He said, what, what not exactly first one of one of the earliest questions I recollect that alerted me to something. He said, um, do you play poker? And I said, No. And he pointed his finger at me, he said, You should. Now, I don't play poker, but I know what poker is. It's a game of chance. A chances game. And, and bluff, yeah. And then Yeah, go on. And and bluff, I was gonna say, not not just chance, yeah, but bluff. He was probably referring to that. I mean, poker is a game, a, a, ch a chances game of bluff and lying, isn't it? You know. Anyway, I thought that was strange. 
that he should ask me. But then before he left, uh, like I, I, I answered all his questions reasonably. He said, he pointed at me like this, he pointed at me, this finger. He said, I'm going to put you at the scene, near the scene of the crime in the early hours of the morning. I, I was like a bit like taken aback. And I said, that, that's, 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 that's nonsense. That's absolute nonsense. And he said, we'll see. Yeah. I don't like Dermot Dwyer. I think he's evil. But there we are. You 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 would go as far as to as as to as, as to use the word evil with him? Uh yeah, which is a very strong word to use, yeah. Yeah. I know I know a lot about and it, it's not, by the way, because he's a Kerry man. But he did he did come from Kerry a lot a lot. A lot of the devils, the devils who were trying to frame me just happened to come from County Kerry. Now, I don't know if that's a coincidence or, you know. <laughs> See, we'll say, probably for you, one of the more troubling, one of the more troubling aspects was not only that the guards seemed to have it in for you, whether they thought you did it or um, whether they had other motives for, for stitching you up, um, but 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 one of the aspects is that uh, that members of the community came out at, at various stages and said, "Okay, he said he was drunk this this night, and he said he did it," uh, or or he uh, he said, "Yeah, I, I think someone said uh, he he went too far." Yeah, uh, there were well, the be the best reference on this is the DPP's two thousand and one forty six page report, which talks about my alleged involved actions and unfortunately because i i have i'm i'm anglo welsh british i have what they call a dark sense of humor and it was suggested to me by a newspaper editor uh that um i was uh, wor working for that i had murdered um the lady and i mistakenly used irony and satire to say oh yes yeah 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 of course yeah I needed a story. And that became the first alleged informal admission. I subsequently said to other people, ah, um, when I was first arrested, I was just told, you did it, you did it, you did it. They kept on coming at me with waves and said, even if you can't remember doing it, you did it. Everybody knows you did it, admit it. And I'm like, and then I said to somebody else, they said, I did it, I did it, I did it. And that was misconstrued as uh, another informal um, alleged admission. So, but I, I, you know, I regret that I probably shouldn't have said. But, uh, I was shot from the hip. See, I see. Um, there was another gentleman. Um... I don't recall his name. I, I remember seeing in the Netflix documentary that uh, that he said uh, you two were in, in a room uh, alone together and that you that you kind of admitted that you did it, but you framed it as you. Like you, you were speaking to him and said you, uh, you saw her the day before and you, uh, oh, you said I, I, you, I you think walked I know who you're talking about. I think I know who you're talking about, yeah. Well, he won the person talking about um, Billy Fuller, um, 
<laughs> first of all, that's hearsay evidence, which has no validity. And two, he was just making things up. Um, lying, bearing false witness. I see. I see. That, that must be... Uh... That must be quite something to experience. What, what, what was it like just hearing hearing members of your community, in some cases, um, maybe take, taking things out of context and ungenerously, or, or, or in some cases, according to you, just just telling just telling lies? What, what, what was that like to, to see members of your community to turn on you like that? Um, do you know? I mean, there are only there are only four direct prohibitions in the Ten Commandments: "Thou shalt not kill," "Thou shalt not steal." Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods or wife, and thou will not bear false witness against thy neighbor. So it it's still rank it's, it's like, you know, it's it's a it's it's a serious issue to make false allegation against somebody. Anyway, look, I mean a lot of it this is water under the bridge in as much that, you know, I'm that when this began I was forty. You know, now I'm Coming up to be 66, it's taken up a quarter of a century of my life. It ruined my life. It's ruined the community's life. It's ruined my ex-partner's life. You know, she was arrested twice and put through absolute nonsense. I, and my prayer, my prayer has always been and always will be. I'm fully sympathetic to the family. And I know they think that I had something to do with it. Um, I just hope truth comes out before I'm dead you know do, do, do you yeah. think do, do you think some of them genuinely think that, that that you're a murderer I don't know I don't care I know they made false statements and I know that the and they can't meet me in the eye you know so not my problem it's their problem I see um, on on that note, actually, did, did you did you get the sense from all your interactions with the guards and all the questionings and so on? Did you get the sense from them that they genuinely thought it was you, or, or no, or maybe... no? I I I got the sense. There's a thing. I mean, I've studied law now. I've got three degrees of law from UCC, University College Cork. It was wonderful. There's a particular thing when. And we, we had cases of it, or I say we, there were cases of it in England against Irish people. And the, and the most famous cases were the, called the Guildford Four and the Birmingham Six. And Jim Sheridan made a great film called In the Name of the Father with you know, Daniel Day-Lewis. Once you embark on a false narrative and decide to create a false narrative and put an innocent person in the frame, from the moment that decision is taken by somebody, an individual, individuals, no investigation takes place. So all all the effort and attempt is just to put that person in the frame, even if it means manufacturing statements and being people to make false statements. You know. Did, so. did, did, did you get the sense though that that they genuinely thought it was you, or or maybe no, did... no, no. I got I got I actually felt as though I was dealing with actors who were trying to be co good uh, cops and were like, had hatched up a really, really bad script. That's the impression I got. I see. I see. There is, um, there is a local rumour 
that the murder was uh, perhaps uh, committed by a guard who was actually known to be kind of violent and corrupt and maybe mm. was having something, uh, some had some kind of an affair with Sophie and then and then eventually. Um, a- any thoughts on that? You 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 are an well. I mean, I'm 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 aware. It's, it's what I call an urban rumor around Bantry. I was aware of this from very early on, and it was being suggested. And if you go out and talk, well, if I go out and talk to people in in Bantry Town, they will tell me it was him, a cop. And and the reason I was chosen was as a, like a scapegoat, you know. But I, I can't. He he died in two thousand and one. Um, I can't prove it. There's no, you know, uh, there's no tangible evidence to put him in. But it would, to me, it would explain why they went to such great lengths to put me, an innocent person, in the frame. Right. There was also this could just be incompetence too. But there was also the uh, the missing gate. One of the one of the extraordinary oh, yes. things about the case well, is there was a, a a large gate covered in blood that the cops managed to managed to lose somehow. Yeah, well, that's never been fully explained. I mean, what are so I over the years I made various I made a complaint to the police investigation um, board GSOC here. They carried out a long, long investigation, and although it didn't it didn't sort of like clear me of the crime. It identified the fact that a, a quite large amount of evidence, physical evidence and statements, had gone missing, including the gate to the, the drive where the, the body was found. And I saw crime scene photographs of the gate, and it's covered in blood on, on both front and back. And somehow, nobody's ever explained, it's a six-bar gate. We're talking about a gate that's about eight foot wide and six bars deep about yeah, a substantial lump of gate, and apparently it disappeared. No, nobody's ever explained why. And then statements that were included in the original file disappeared. I mean, when they started the investigation back in, I suppose, like we'd say Christmas time, uh, twenty-six years ago, nineteen ninety-six. There, there were apparently 55 su- potential people listed as suspects. I was one of those. And within about three or four days, it had gone down from 55 to one, me. They, they completely fucked it up. Sorry, shouldn't swear. But... No, you're fine. You're fine. Um, uh, another... Um, another... Fairly extraordinary um, aspect of this case, and it took years to kind of come to light. Was that on the night of the murder, there was a lady out driving. Apparently, she was out uh, with with a gentleman who wasn't her husband, um, mm-hmm. and she saw um, she saw someone on the road around the mm-hmm. time that would have been kind of after the murder. Um, yeah. And uh, okay, so, you, so 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 originally she her, her name is Marie Farrell. Originally, she yeah. came out. And said um, that yes, it was it was Ian Bailey, and not only that, but he he then initiated like a campaign of of harassment and intimidation against me. And yeah. then years later, I think around ten, I could be wrong. Um, she she took it back and said it was it was coerced, mm-hmm. um, and so on. Um, like, did, did you okay? I, I'll start. I'll start with this. Did, did you know Marie Farrell 
uh, previous? No, to... I, 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 prior to uh, Christmas of 1996. No, I didn't. She, I know, I know her, she, herself and her husband were running a shop in Skull. Um, I only became aware of certain things that she said much later, in other words, retrospectively. Um, and when she went over to my solicitor, Frank Bottomer, my very good friend and solicitor in, in court, Frank Bottomer, she told him that she was fairly well coerced into making false um, statements to put me near the scene. And um, they were they were all they were all false, and she withdrew them all. And yet, when I was tried in my absence in May of two thousand and nineteen in France, all of her statements, which she had withdrawn, were read into evidence in the French trial. Can you believe that? Interesting. I, I, after having said, after having and, 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 and the statements where she retracted the false statements that she'd made were not read into evidence. You know, what I mean, it's uh... okay. So, so after you found out about the 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 the, the what, what she said was a false allegation, um, after that mm-hmm. and between, but, but we'll, we'll say between. Oh, that well, so after and... after that after that, sorry. I was going to ask: Did did you have any? Did you have any kind of contact with her? I mean, if if I found out that someone no, made very, up such very, a such an accusation no, against very, me, very little. But what it led to was a reinvestigation of the original case. Um, which actually didn't was uh, I got I don't know. It was what I call a blue. Over here, uh, policemen wear blue. I don't know what they wear in what they wear in America. Blue, yeah. Uh, it, it's I, it was a blue they've been wash. Known as and blue. I got it was a blue wash in a reinvestigation that occurred after that. Um, I'm getting tired now, um, and it's getting dark outside. Um, so where are we now? Well, there's a reinvestigate a a, a very thorough new um coordinated and fully funded cold case review going on um i've made it quite clear to the chief police officer of ireland gardener uh, garda commissioner drew harris i will cooperate in any way i can they haven't been in touch with me um you know and it's christmas christmas is coming up and uh, i'm uh, but before, yeah, um, yeah. J- just a couple of things now. But before, before we wrap up, um, mm. I became aware. I, I, even though I'm from, uh, even though I went to school in Bandon, some kind of from the area, I, I vaguely knew. I vaguely knew about the case. I, I knew that there was a murder involving a French lady, and I knew um, there was a guy who was at least implicated, an English fella. Um, but I actually didn't know any details about it until I heard the audio book. Uh, that came uh, with about 2017. It was. Um, Is, are we uh, talk, we're talking about um, Sam Sam Bungie and Jennifer Ford's audible podcast called West Cork. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Um, excellently yeah, done. Yeah. Um, very very thorough. Yeah, very, I'll, very well. I'll be honest. At the end of that, um, at the end of hearing that, if if you put a gun to my head, I I, I don't know if I could have said whether I thought 
um, this gentleman named Ian Bailey was uh, was guilty or not guilty. C- couldn't tell you. Um, what, what were your thoughts? Um, what were your thoughts on if you heard well, the audio book at all? Well, I, I, right. So, I mean, it was they approached me back in 2013, I think, and they introduced themselves to me. And Jennifer had worked for the BBC, I'd worked for the BBC, and they seemed very nice young people. And I cooperated with them over many years, well, three, four, three, four, four years. I gave them whatever access they wanted. They never broke my trust. Um, I think they did a very good job. I listened to it once in like it was 12 hours or something or 10 hours. And I listened to it like two five-hour shifts. I, I think they did a very good job, you know. Okay, very good. You 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 were happy with the you you were happy with the audible. Um, yeah, they they didn't break my they didn't break my trust. I mean, I've trusted some people who have broken my trust along the journey, but that's going to happen. You know, you learn, you live, and you learn. I see. I see. Um, in contrast, um, after yeah. that, I think a couple of years after that, uh, there was a three-part Netflix uh, documentary that came out. Again, you were interviewed in it. Um, uh, I, I yeah. believe you weren't. I believe you weren't too uh, too happy with that. Well, the the I mean, it's 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 a little bit complicated. But I mean, uh, Jim Sheridan first approached me around about the same time the podcasters did back in two thousand and thirteen. And you know, for for your American audiences who do not know Jim Sheridan, you should. You've certainly probably seen some of his films. And I was cooperating with him, and then oh, some. Netflix, yeah. So I, I gave the Netflix project a limited amount of access to me. Um, actually, I was conned. I was tricked into into thinking it, it was not to be used, but it doesn't matter. So last year, what happened was the Jim Sheridan produced a five part documentary which went out on Sky, and I think it is available in America on some some. Um, some sort of network, and then Netflix came out with their three-part piece of what I knew was going to be uh, demonizing propaganda, and it was, you know, and then we're we're talking about May of last year now, so they came out, now that coincided with my ex-partner giving me notice that she wanted me to go out, so Last year was um, like being on tied to the back of one Mustang horse that I could not get off. <laughs> but um, anyway, the, the horse the horse is now broken and going in the right direction. I that's see. A, that's a cowboy metaphor, by the way. That's an old Western cowboy metaphor. Mm. Okay, so uh, I mean, for, for the Netflix, for Netflix documentary, you you spoke like on camera. So how how did you? Uh... Uh, how did you think that it wasn't going to be used if they were? If they well, they they, they told me they they told me it was actually being used as a, like a tease for a thing. And um, anyway, look, it doesn't matter. I mean, I, I gave. And do you know what? It's better to have skin in the game when you you know you're on the end of the the game, as it were, and not skin. So look, I'm. I'm it, it doesn't bother me. 
did, did you um did, did you end up watching the the three episodes no i didn't i no i certain passages were drawn to my attention i didn't watch it i, I couldn't even watch the jim sheridan documentary I, I i started to try and watch it and it just upset me just just completely upset me and made me very very sad so i stopped watching it i see I see. Fair enough. Um, it it must it must be surreal seeing it. I mean, to to be fair, you you've had a bit of experience, but but like an entire documentary centering on you, and 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 the documentary very much made it out, um, that you did it. Like if 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 I didn't know anything about the case and I just watched a documentary, um, I yeah, I would one hundred percent think it was yeah. you. Well, the thing about Netflix is they're not interested. They don't have any morality. They have no accountability and they're only really interested in the money, you know, and that's the reality of Netflix. Interesting. Interesting. W would you, uh, would you have an aversion to, to taking part in any future documentaries that may be made about it? I know. Look, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm open. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you this evening. We're doing, you know, thank you very much for allowing me the opportunity to speak to the great American no, no, thank you. people. Um, <laughs> um, I I'm open. I'm I'm a working journalist. Oh, and I've been recently. They're calling me over here. It's it's very strange, really. Um, I they they're calling me over here. I'm I'm I'll consider any prophet. You know, if anybody would have to say, and if I, you know, uh, was comfortable, I'd I'd cooperate. I'm more interested in making my own podcast at the moment. And getting my own, I feel like I've been exploited, not by Jim Sheridan, but I feel like I've been exploited by a large number of people who have made money out of my situation. I'm not doing the podcast to make money, but although it has to, there, there's a cost with everything. I'm just looking forward to getting that done. Ian Bailey, in his own words, should be out in, I guess, February, March. And I've got my own domain, ianbailey.net, and that's how the podcast will be made available. You know? I see. I and see. I've, very good. I've got, I've got Facebook. I've got 25,000 odd followers on different social media platforms, which, you know, isn't that many compared to some people, but it's sort of, uh, you know. I see. One of the... Um... One of the things you you've kind of been criticised um, for over the year over the years has been um, has been supposedly uh, supposedly uh, courting attention, you know, and kind of maximising like celebrity, but but based on based on being a murder suspect, you know. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? Absolute, uh... absolute nonsense and bollocks. No, nobody could have dealt with what I've dealt with. I don't think and people want to criticise me. They can criticise me. I've been called this, that, and the other. They can uh, politely. They can f off, you know. Do, do you, um, if you were to put yourself in in other people's shoes, like you know, may, maybe other people in the community or 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 people who who have just heard just heard what they've heard in the media, can, can you understand them? Uh, yeah, 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 murder? I can. And I mean, I'm a, I'm a great. I love that poem "If" by Roger Kipling. If you can, if you can bear to hear the words you've spoken. Twisted and turned to make a trap for fools, you know. Um, I can see it from I, everybody's point of view. I'm, uh, you know, have that ability. So, you know, 
I'm getting tired. I don't know about you. It's only um, it's only midday. It's only midday here. But, but oh, yeah, right. what it, time is it here? I, I think it's getting. I don't know quite what time. It's going dark. I can tell up you to, that. Up to yeah, um, outside. Around five. Around five. Okay. Um, just another thing. Do, do you plan on? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you plan on actually like like taking some sort of action against the the Netflix? Uh, no, people. no, I'm not because um, I, I, I'd rather get on with my own creativity. But my ex partner has started a case against the Netflix, the directors of the, the program, and the production company, a UK London-based production company called Lightbox. Um, and she has started her own action um, against them. And I, 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 I'm, I'm actually through a third party. I am supporting her action and giving her information, feeding in information which will be of assistance to her. Bless her. I see. I see. Um, what one final thing? Um, just given mm. that we're actually recording it almost on the anniversary of the of the tragic yeah. murder, and being around Christmas does a. Uh, does it bring back memories? Does uh, does does the murder kind of taint Christmas for you at all? <sighs> Look, I, I, for twenty five years now, this will be the twenty sixth year. I've been aware of it. Um, it's not going to stop me from having a very happy Christmas. I'm very sympathetic to the victims in France, the family. Um, no, actually, I'm remembering my father died in. Christmas Eve of 1999 on on Christmas Eve of the just for the millennium, and I'm Sorry actually thinking that. more about him passing away. Um, bless him. And uh, no, I think more about that than than you know the murder. The murder has nothing to do with me. It's tainted my life. It's tainted a lot of people's lives. I hope the truth comes out. See, and uh, um, w sorry, w one final thing. Sp speaking of the truth coming out. Um, there are these several. Um, there are several kind of theories as to as to as to maybe who who murdered Sophie. There's there's the guard. Mm. There's also um the, the so-called French connection. Um, just given yeah. purely speculative, purely subjective. Um, if you had to if you had to land on one of them and well, put your money I, on I, that I, one I, being true, right? Well, I mean, I'm a, I'm a great fan of Sherlock Holmes and Colonel Arthur Conan Doyle, who who was the father of criminology, of which I've studied. Um, I always felt right from the beginning, there's a thing in, it's a Latin expression in law. It would be applied over there. Qui bono, qui bono, Q-U-I-B-O-N-O. And that means who benefits? Who benefits from somebody's death or a crime? And what was clear was that her husband, Daniel de Plantier, who died of a heart attack, we know he was the beneficiary of a large insurance policy on her life. We know that for a fact. Was He was never questioned by the Irish police. He didn't come here to identify the body. I always thought it was an assassination that had been authorised, like when somebody was sent over to a follower and killer. But I see. I don't uh, know. That, that would, in terms of motive, that, that would certainly make sense. But uh, to be fair, like, I mean, the, the way she died, she was chased down from her doorway to uh, the bottom of a laneway and then killed with 
uh, a weapon of opportunity, you know, and and the fact that the the yeah. the, the house is incredibly incredibly isolated there was no sat nav or gps or any of that back then in fact i i no, I, I, no. I don't think most of the locals would even know so i mean the idea of a foreign no they wouldn't you, you you never you 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 would have never found a location in a month of sundays it was so isolated and out there so in other words for for a that foreign indicates assassin, to me you know? That 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 indicates to me that the person who was responsible knew the location. You know, it would indicate that to me. So, so, anyway, so, listen, so possibly not. I, so, so not someone who was actually sent over, um, sent over to do it, right? I, I don't. You know, I there are so many bit missing bits of the jigsaw. It's. It's just not possible to say. Hopefully, this new investigation might identify the person who was responsible for the crime, and in thus doing so, exonerate me. Oh, I'm going to leave you on this because I'm getting tired. I don't know if you Obama. Remember Obama? And he he had to. He was actually Obama originally, but he had to came back to Ireland. To get the O, because you know he was from Donegal, Monegal, and thereabouts, and he had a re-election campaign slogan, um, which was "Yes, we can." Yes, we. Do you remember that? And, I do. And somebody what? over here, somebody over here, translated it into Irish, and it's "Yes, we can" translates into Irish is "Ishfaderling," "Ishfaderling." It means yes, we can, or yes, we will. And I think I'm going to leave you on that because I'm getting, I'm, we've had a good chat and I'm really tired. Good stuff. Um, th thank you very much for sitting down to me. Uh, pleasure speaking to you. Um, yeah. Take care now and enjoy, enjoy Christmas. Yeah, and you too. And uh, my blessings to all the American people, particularly the, uh, the Irish Americans out there. Yeah. <laughs>